Hi guys, Josh here, just popping in to explain this unlocked episode appearing in your feed. The episode you're about to hear on Brian De Palma's Mission Impossible and John Woo's Mission Impossible 2 is one of our Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes from a few months ago. And to kick off a brand new year of the podcast and to coincide with the announcement that there are apparently two more Mission Impossible movies coming out in the next three years, we figured we'd unlock the most requested bonus episode. Of the three options I put out, this one received over 50% of the total votes, so without further ado, enjoy Jamie and I's discussion on what we consider to be the two most unsung films of the Mission Impossible franchise. And if you like this bonus episode, there are about 25 more of them waiting in our back catalog over at patreon.com slash podcast, and we release two more of them every single month. So if you haven't made the jump yet, I would highly recommend considering doing that. It helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and enjoy this unlocked bonus episode. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. This is your mission, should you choose to accept it. Should you or any member of your IM force be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow all knowledge. They knew, they knew we were coming. You never seen me very upset. Agent Logan. Good morning, Mr. Hunt. Sorry I barged in on your vacation. Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. You gotta be kidding. This message will destruct in five seconds. Oh, yeah. All right, so the two weeks at this point would be... <laughs> that's, like, that's honestly what it feels like Hans never did in the second one. <laughs> we'll save that because I'm definitely saying that. Let's just go. Yeah, let's 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 do it. This is the show. This is the show. Welcome. <laughs> We're here. Welcome everyone. We're, We're leaving here. it in. Welcome to the show. Your patron, uh, the patron exclusive episodes are totally unhinged, and we don't we we say fuck the. Fuck the structure. We don't oh, need yeah, that. Oh, yeah, man. I'm not even going to introduce the show. You know what this show is. You know what it is. I, I, I don't even What's believe happening? we've been introducing ourselves ever since. I always forget to. I think we've, we we haven't introduced ourselves since, like, the early episodes. <laughs> I know. That's true. Actually, that's 100% like, true. Like, we never say, we, we I'm never Josh. We never give our tags. And, and we, you're Jamie. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're just, I guess we're not social media whores. That's all right. No, well, I am. But I just, I just, I always forget, you know? I just. <laughs> that's great. All right. Well. <laughs> Welcome, patrons, to your uh, bonus exclusive Patreon episode. Yes. <laughs> for the week. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, two weeks ago would have been the last time you guys heard from us uh, when we would have been talking Jackie Chan. Oh, yeah. Drunken Master. Drunken Master. Legend of Drunken Master. 1978 and Legend of the Drunken Master, 1994. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Finally getting to talk Jackie Chan. I'm sure he will make more appearances on the show. Oh, I want to talk police story yeah, movies at some point. And we're definitely going to do some more uh, kung fu, like we got to see some Lao Kar Lung filmmaking in the Legend of the Drunken Master there. Uh, and following that Jackie Chan episode, uh, one week ago, for free listeners, or I guess, all, I mean, I assume the patrons are also listening to the free <laughs> yeah. ones. So for you guys and all of the listeners out there in the world, the cheap ones. <laughs> yeah. They, we, won't, we won't tell them that we said that. This is our little secret yeah, here. Yeah, I won't unlock this episode in the future. <laughs> they, will never, they will never hear this. Do not... Do not copy this and send this to Ever, anyone. please. Uh, uh, we, we had Leslie Lee from the uh, Struggle Session podcast on to talk Kill Bill Volume 2. Yeah, wrap up the Kill Bill series. Yeah, we talked about Kill Bill Volume 1 on, I think, our third episode of the show. Yeah. 
Yeah, real early on. And we paired it with, at the time, female prisoner number 701, a 70s Japanese exploitation uh, women in prison film. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Leslie uh, making almost a direct sequel to that episode, along (laughs) with Kill Bill Volume 2, brought with him Lady Snowblood, which also stars Maiko Kaji from uh, the female prisoner movie. And this one, the, the last one there, it seemed like you could really... There was there were more references that were just hard on. Like it seemed like he was just taking them instead <laughs> of there. There was more subtle references I felt like with Kill Bill One, whereas in Kill Bill Two, everything it just seemed like Lady Snowblood was a was a more direct reference than a lot of the other ones we might. Have yes, seen. especially on Volume One. Yeah, uh, with some of the images and some of the uh, song choices. Oh yeah, I mean some were just ripped right out of it. Yep, but this week. Uh, sort of continuing on uh, our Jackie Chan episode a little bit, we mentioned on that episode, I think, that the closest America has to a counterpart to a Jackie Chan, uh, the, a, a devil-may-care uh, oh, stuntman right. yeah. who, who, who basically wants to die on camera. <laughs> Seems uh, like it. <laughs> the, the closest we have in America to someone like that, like Jackie Chan, is actually... Mr. Tom Cruise. Yeah. The, the the maniac himself. He's a crazy myth, dude, but such the a legend. Talent. The legend. <laughs> like, with these movies, too, I, I it made me realize how much of a fucking movie star this guy really is. Oh, like, yeah. He, he, his smolder, just like... Just, he, he's one of he the few ones who's still charisma. a box office draw. Yeah. Uh, because we've, we kind of talked about it. I don't know if we've ever mentioned it on the show, but we personally talk about it a lot, the idea that there's not really many modern movie stars created anymore. For sure, yeah. And that, you know, even when, you know, a, a big, handsome actor gets to star in a Marvel movie, even a trilogy of Marvel movies like Chris Hemsworth does... Sure, yeah. He comes out with a movie by Michael Mann and that movie yeah. bombs yeah, even though completely. that it has a dude who has been a box office pull and it has a brand new supposed movie star yeah and it's just like these guys really and I mean there's more factors than just that but for it's sure. also just the fact that it doesn't it doesn't seem like people are going to the movies more for the franchises the brands the properties rather they than know, the name yeah. than, rather than like you know you an actor to, that they true. love it's true you used to hear more like at least I feel like I did I used to hear more like hey it's the Brad, it's that new Brad Pitt movie it's exactly. that new Cruise movie for instance yeah, but and, now and, it's it is it's more have you seen the new Marvel movie have you seen the new monster movie have you yeah. seen it's all the branding as opposed to actual people behind yeah it. and and some of some movie stars who were created back when you know I think the 90s was really the last time we we when we stopped creating them mm-hmm. or at least they stopped you know the movie system stopped working in that way and I honestly yeah. we'll get into it but I think it seems like it was like early I, 2000s it just started yeah, to I, die. I, I think Mission Impossible was actually one of the first movies this De Palma one was one of the first movies to actually be what we now know as the modern blockbuster model which was the huge old property a 60s television show Mm -hmm. that they gave like a 120 million dollar blockbuster budget i was gonna ask you that is that what that's this is based on mission impossible is based on okay because i didn't know if they were trying to maybe take a more serious approach to like bond or something like that no it was it it was its own tv show although i they did take obviously some liberties and especially because the Tom Cruise character is what ended up speaking to the filmmakers when, whereas I believe the main character in the show was actually the John Voight character in the first movie. Oh, okay. Either the way, one that's being introduced we're getting into the, the actual movies. We haven't even introduced them yet. Yeah. We're going to be talking Mission Impossible. <laughs> Absolutely. Mission Impossible 1, 
Yep. The Brian De Palma film. Brian De Palma we've talked about and a couple times incredible. on the show already. Phantom of the Paradise we've talked about. Body Double. We've been doing some of his more, uh, you know, maybe lesser i mean Phantom of the paradise maybe not lesser known but you know we're not talking scarface yeah, we're not talking yeah. you know we're not talking the ones that most people know him for uh, yeah. the untouchables <laughs> yeah absolutely um so there we're going to continue our brian de palma uh sort of journey i guess i don't even know what to call this which one would this be is this like our third film this is our third brian de palma yeah. film we've talked about and we're, awesome. and we're gonna be talking about maybe one of the the closest he's ever gotten to the pure hollywood entertainment he wants to make but also finding a way to inject his visual sensibilities into it because mm. this is unmistakably a brian de palma film yes um and uh the fact that it somehow became a giant franchise is kind of insane to me especially what it turned into yeah like well, well because imagine imagine today they gave someone like brian de palma like a 150 million dollar blockbuster yeah does, they give them to little indie filmmakers they can push around now like yeah, that's exactly. not what they don't, and they don't and that's usually unfortunately what leads them to kind of be a little bit bland and a little just kind of gray you know what yeah I mean? like just exactly so going back to something like this mission impossible is going to be awesome because you feel the palma in this which is amazing to actually have a blockbuster but then still feel like the director it, it fits in, it, it is, fits into his filmography yeah. like that's just it is a lot of time you watch blockbusters now and you're like was that really recognizably that filmmaker yeah like if anything it's more the house style of whatever the brand or the franchise is for sure you know with that filmmaker making a few decisions behind the camera whereas yeah. this is brian de palma's style yeah <laughs> put onto a blockbuster film which yeah. is insane and we can basically say the same thing about the film we're going to be pairing it with mission impossible 2 which again talk about which i not, think we'll be fighting for it yeah a talk about round. talk about not having a house style it is not a de palma film by any means it is a wholehearted John Woo film from beginning to yep. end and you're and you watch he, that and, and you're he like just doesn't even give a fuck about the first one it seems well, at least that, in tone well and, and that's just it is that that is kind of what was so cool about these first two Mission For Impossible sure. films and I mean Abrams did this too so even even as we got yeah, on he starts to basically the only only recently have these films started to kind of develop their own house look but mm, the first sure. four films here all have completely different, different looks feels. and tones absolutely and, yeah. it really was the the fifth one that you kind of felt the fourth in it a little bit like it and now and now we're coming that, up on the sixth one which, which is f- supposed to be a really super direct sequel to the fifth one and it has yeah. the same filmmaker okay so it's gonna okay. be it's basically gonna be the fifth one again but yeah. with you know maybe a little bigger and crazier i'm yeah. excited for it i'm very excited. and it's not a knock Heard against good it. things yeah um it's just it was it's really interesting to go back and watch a you know, in the middle of franchise filmmaking today to go back and watch <laughs> yeah. these two movies that especially that don't obey any sort of house style rules or continuity rules and basically they just, just make gave them two, the brand and went, do you do you on this brand yeah, make, rather than the other way around. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And in the middle of that, the only connective tissue uh, is Tom Cruise. Yeah. Really. Uh, who this will be the probably one of the only times we'll end up getting to talk about him because uh, oh, yeah? he didn't do a whole lot of genre stuff in the 80s and 90s. Like, maybe maybe Top Gun, but I mean, it's still kind of like what a about, drama. Uh, what about Eyes Wide Shut? Eyes Wide Shut would be fun. I think that would be a fun one because yep. that one goes some places. <laughs> yep. But I feel you. Yeah, I mean, he is more of a, like, that, I guess, 
mainstream blockbuster guy rather than the movies we would normally talk about. Yeah, he became a bit of an A-list movie star and mostly picked up actually post-Mission Impossible as that movie star. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we're not going to get a lot of opportunities to talk about Which I'm not surprised after watching Mission Impossible now. I'm just like, dude, you are a fucking movie star. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Every time he just smirks, I'm like, damn. (laughs) There's just oozes charisma every scene. So... All right. Well, I mean, I, I think we'll just jump right into it. You want to do Mission Impossible? Let's do it. Find something that's personally important to him and you squeeze. seen me very upset. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. All right, we are talking Mission Impossible, the 1996 uh, action espionage thriller directed by Mr. Brian De Palma and produced by and starring... Little Tommy, Little Tommy Cruz. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how old he was here around? Oh shit! I don't fucking know. No, I, I, I was I was thinking like I know he's around fifty, but I was just curious as to 80, when his eighty-one. Uh, it wait no, that's that's not right. I guess it doesn't matter, but I was just curious as 62. to when his like. I was trying to. It said years active, and I was like eighty-one. That's not oh, right. So he's he was in his thirties in this. Okay. Yeah. So 60, 62. He I always thought he was in his like early twenties in this. For he some looks reason. pretty oh, young, okay. but yeah, he would have been. He would have been uh, <laughs> thirty-three, thirty-four around the time that he shot this. Okay. Um, and yeah, the film um, stars Tom Cruise as uh, Ethan Hunt, the uh, the leader of a crack espionage team uh, called the IMF, the yeah. Impossible Mission Force, that undertakes uh, very perilous operations and and missions. But thing, things kind of go wrong. Things yeah. kind of go wrong. It's a really what interesting I, idea to uh, that De, De Palma chooses here is to show us the impossible mission for, show us this badass team that can do these crazy-ass, uh, I mean, I guess missions? What, what's a better word here? <laughs> I think missions, I mean, it, it really is what they're doing, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, the, he shows us immediately these dudes in action and how this team kind of works together and how they are very good at controlling a situation and manipulating a situation and getting exactly what it is they need out of a situation. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that he does is show us a screen, a screen of uh, a very poorly masked Tom Cruise yelling at uh, some sort of informant trying to get information out of him. Yeah, I believe it's uh, Russian is what they're... Yes, uh, and uh, you have also uh, Emilio Estevez from The Breakfast Club is behind yep. watching the screen being like, get that info, get that info. Yeah, he's uh, the hacker. And the camera's slowly zooming in on the screen to reveal that this is a set, that this is a mask and a set, and they are completely making this informant dude think that he is being basically tortured and 
going to be killed in like a hotel, but really they're in, you know, like a, some sort of like factory or stage right. or Which really sets the tone of kind of how this film will, will end up for, for Cruz. I mean, he, in that scene, he's in control and he's understanding of what all the, all the strings that are being pulled. But you know, as the, as the film goes on, he just, his whole world shatters, but you know, like step mm-hmm. by step, he just gets more confused on who to trust what is going on, the reasons for these things happening. Uh, and, I, and I like that the, the very first scene actually kind of sets that up in a, in a sense because he, in that scene, he's understanding of it, but the team that well, he's working and, with And De Palma as well, because we've talked about before in um, Body Double and Phantom of the Paradise, De Palma is a filmmaker very aware of the kind of visual um, choices and art, basically the, the artificial nature of filmmaking mm-hmm. um which is a thing that he tackles a lot in body double um and hitchcock also was a very uh you know obsessive filmmaker about the act of what we're seeing and how we're engaging with what we're seeing um and this immediate thing sets up is that obviously the perfect thing that spies would do is that they manipulate what you're seeing to try and get information out of you um right. and you know the we get to see the extent to which these guys almost like say a film production team would go to they build a set they build an elaborate story to tell this dude um to convince him to participate and basically mm. be a character in, sure. in what's happening even though none of this is actually real and the second they uh have the information they knock him out with a drink yeah. And they pull away all the walls, and you see all the handyman come out and start ripping the set apart. <laughs> Tom uh, Cruise reveals the mask and all that, yeah, which that, really becomes iconic with these Mission Impossible films, at least with these first. And two. there's the classic Hitchcock dead girl on the bed, yeah. Uh, and he goes, uh, Tom Cruise goes up and wakes her up and be like, "You're all good now. Like you don't have to pretend to be dead." And like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that that it also kind of implies that they put her in some type of danger as well. A little it? bit because they it seems like they like lowered her heart rate or something or. They they like yeah. made her look like she was he dead. seemed concerned like he didn't seem like he was completely confident with with her state yeah uh, so I, I do feel like there might have been some some you know they she put mm-hmm. they put her in some real danger yeah there's there's definitely like a, a lot of moving parts to what it is that they're doing and that that opening scene that De Palma shows you that goes from screen to set to mask to eventually Tom pulling the mask and showing you his face, that there's a real person <laughs> under there. Like, yeah. just how many layers of artifice there are for these people in this lifestyle. Yeah. Um, which is uh, a really interesting note to immediately hit on, because obviously it's a very similar note to what De Palma was doing in Body Double, which he was stealing from Vertigo, which is a movie about a guy who falls in love with artifice that we've talked about. Uh, if you guys are patrons listening to this episode... Our Vertigo and Body Double episode is available to listen to. Yes, do it. Uh, a lot of similar ideas um, from that De Palma is traversing here, but specifically in the sort of espionage paranoia identity thriller, which funnily enough is another goddamn Hitchcock genre. This dude is literally obsessed because you just said I think you watched it recently, but this is uh, this is closer to the the man gets framed and has to go rogue uh yeah. sort of similar to something like north by northwest yeah where he has to go on a cross-country mission uh same with uh, another hitchcock film saboteur and things like these so de palma found another different kind of hitchcock film to do <laughs> yeah. with mission impossible and honestly this is maybe one of his most successful attempts at doing hitchcock just because 
this is some of the most popular broad appeal De Palma I think has ever gotten as a filmmaker. Oh, for like, sure. Like this is I just mean, this, this is a purely entertaining film from beginning to end. Yeah, and I mean things like and, and, and you can and in me. fact, if I have any complaints, it's that some of the character stuff is a little weaker than I would expect for De Palma. For sure. Yeah. Some of the some of the writing. You know, is not it is it has some of those blockbuster isms, uh, yeah. but I really only feel it mostly in the third act because from the first two acts are just so suspenseful and so filled with great masterful sequencing. Yeah, um, I'm thinking specifically the uh, the Langley break in sequence, which has got to be an with the wire hang. Yes, I mean it's insane. It's unbelievable. And what's what I think is pretty incredible. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here. That sequence has been lifted into so many heist movies now. Essentially, like, all those things need to be done. Like, at the very beginning, it it shows Tom Cruise explaining how they're going to do it. And Mm -hmm. while that's happening, it's showing through the the filmmaking, Mm -hmm. the guy going through each thing while... Tom Cruise is narrating that. You see that in every just by the number heist movie now ever fucking made. Like yeah, you just well, do, I, like, I don't know if I, this was the first one to do it, just because there were heist movies before sure. this movie came out. And maybe that's that's the th- that's why I wanted you to correct me because I haven't seen many, but mm. this one I know is just so iconic, and it seems like mm-hmm. so many things have been lifted from. But it but, but between this and Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven, those are definitely like sure. where people kind of got that in the public. Like in the yeah. in the sort of broader consciousness. Okay, okay. Because it just it, I realized that it's them, really become the yeah. thing that it's like your heist movie doesn't have that. It's, <laughs> it feels like these filmmakers that make heist movies they just they need that to be in it now. And I thought that might have been a De Palma, you know, little yeah. thing. I don't. I wasn't sure though. Well, what what really truly is De Palma is after that sequence happens, we get a, um, a they get their first impossible mission there is some sort of knock list that contains all the list of uh, undercover agents under the imf and if it gets into the hands of the wrong people who are spending a lot of money to get it they are going to uh, obviously kill all of the undercover agents yeah so tom cruise's team uh including uh john voight and emilio estevez and um john, i guess john voight is the 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 leader jim phelps and uh, who's the girl? Emmanuel Biart? Hmm, okay. I guess some sort of French actress. Yeah. I haven't seen her in anything else, I don't think. But she's pretty good here. Yeah. Um, and basically, they perform this very elaborate mission where they're all playing different characters at this party. Tom Cruise has another hilarious mask on where he's playing like an old man in a, a yeah. white tuxedo. And I do have to say, I remember there's a, a scene where they introduce him and it, to kind of show that his character has depth and people know him mm-hmm. as that character. There's like a TV clip of him talking or oh, whatever. Yeah. And I don't think they reveal that it's Tom Cruise at first. And I, all my brain went was like, that's Tom Cruise. <laughs> that guy's in a face mask right now. Well, yeah, because I, I, I think when we first see him at the party, it's entirely in that POV shot, too. Yeah. Very De Palma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it has the, he has PO, a couple of has the POV too. shot where the girl is coming up and talking to um, Tom Cruise right into the camera. And then it's revealed uh, that that's coming through the the cameras on the on the glasses. Because again, that's a, yeah. that I, that is obviously something De Palma had to add in was another way to get a POV shot on everyone's face. Yeah. So that he could so that he could have it to cut to later on because he has to use subjective POV shots like that just all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so he found a plot reason to get those in there. <laughs> uh, 
And yeah, you you kind of just get this sense of, again, these guys are really good at walking into a room and putting on a performance and kind of deceiving everyone and manipulating mm-hmm. their surroundings. Um, and they feel like they are in control and accomplishing um, these, these tasks that they need to do, in, in which in this case is getting this list back. But in typical De Palma fashion, none of that works out. Nope. And it in all fact, goes wrong. <laughs> almost every single one of the major cast members is killed in the opening 10 minutes of the film. Yep. Uh, and you're just sitting there like, what brutally. The fuck? I thought this starred John Boyd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Emilio Estevez, who I believe actually was like a pretty uh, well known actor at the time, he would have been coming off doing Repo Man and The Breakfast Club. And the Mighty Ducks, yeah, and like like he was like a, a main like a big mainstream. Yeah, he was then, he yeah. was like still. I don't know if he was almost still, like a family man. I, I, I don't like, I don't know if he was still young enough to be like the the heartthrob, but mm. he was still someone that people liked. Yeah, and you get to watch a spike go into his face. Yeah, uh, which is one of the, that pretty that violent. Death, that violence too is very De Palma because like for just a one second you see the spike literally enter go his into face the prosthetic and then it cuts and away. Then it cuts away yeah. And it, it felt very uh just the way that De Palma uh films violence it it, it felt well like because that. no it had a practical look to it well yeah and no other violence in this franchise looks like this exactly which is, which is exactly, exactly how you know and which is something we're going to get into about why this franchise kind of works is that they the action and the visual filmmaking seems to change from entry to entry which is mm-hmm. something i wish more films tried yeah. to do <laughs> they keep it fresh like because it, every mission impossible just truly does feel different from the last but what's masterful about this is that it still feels like a mission impossible movie even though like how you define that really but um well it still feels like it, they all work together still yeah even though they're so tonally different it's ridiculous well i think a big part of that is obviously tom cruise oh absolutely really he keeps that that he, character he, he carries this film yeah. um carries the franchise i guess as a whole uh what's most interesting though is i've actually heard that tom cruise doesn't like the first one what yep it's like the best one though well, yeah, he, <laughs> from what i understand uh, i mean and no, i, I kind of is fantastic i do too, understand but. where he's coming from i feel like he does he just doesn't think that he it doesn't have enough is it because he didn't do all the stunts like yeah. he does now? He, he didn't. He, Come he, he, on. he didn't do the stunts. He it wasn't the Tom Cruise I feel show. Like he should just get his head out of his ass. It was <laughs> the first film. Is a little bit the Brian De Palma show because well, appara- sure, apparently he clashed with Brian De Palma about really? the direction they wanted the movie to go. And Brian De Palma because I guess Tom Cruise well, thought De that De Palma the, was right. Cruise, I'm sorry. Well, that was just it. Is De Palma I think thought that the movie wasn't perverse enough and wasn't like mm. uh, gross and silly enough. And Tom Cruise wanted to make like a really serious action movie. Uh, like he wanted oh, okay. like like Tom Cruise thought he was making like a Bond movie, and De Palma thought he was making like a weirdo Hitchcock rendition of of, a, of, of a '60s espionage show. Sure. Uh, so they, well, I think it got it has a good mix of that. It, and it's maybe that's where well maybe the conflict was a good thing because I feel like that those tones really work well together with mm-hmm. throughout this. Film. Well, apparently it it led to some conflict in the writers' room between. Mm. Um, uh, I forget who it was. Oh, Robert Town and David Kep. 
Okay. They were two writers, and De Palma, I think, liked Kep's version, and Tom Cruise liked Robert Towns' version, and apparently they were in <laughs> different hotel it. rooms writing their stuff differently <laughs> and sending screenplays to both of them, and they were just kind of picking and choosing stuff that I worked. I like that you said, like, that they sent them to I was just picturing, like, De Palma in one room and Cruise in the other, and they were just, like, citing <laughs> off things, and then they were like, send it off to him, that's what we're well, doing. Well, I watched the De Palma documentary, and in the De Palma documentary, he said that the two screenwriters were in separate rooms, basically. Basically, like the they, like they, like they, fucking crazy. Yeah, so a lot of the sort I don't of even like, know how you do that. A lot of the plotting, a lot of like the uh, the actual conversations, and like the bit of the the, the stuff that happens on the tr- like in the train mm-hmm. versus on top of the train was coming from Tom Cruise's dude, and De Palma was the dude being like, "You can't just finish your goddamn movie by having people rip off masks inside of carts." <laughs> like he he was like he, so he had the train part. He was the one who was like, "You need to do something big. You need the Mount Rushmore sequence. You need the you need the big craziness." You know, I, this is kind of blowing my mind because because uh, I was under the under like. Although I still like it. I still yeah. like that ending with all the crazy helicopter tunnel sequence and, and the, I, the train. Honestly, but I felt like it was a little disconnected from the rest of the movie. Because when I saw that suspense, like masterfully suspenseful sequence of the wire hanging mm-hmm. and all that, that's kind of what this, the movie did really well for me. Mm-hmm. So when it went to this like crazy, schlocky action sequence of a helicopter in a fucking tunnel. Oh, and man. Not that I don't like it. Not that I don't like it. I, think <laughs> I was going to say I love that. And it's, oh, I think it's it's very entertaining. But, but I it feel is like different. The, yeah. the tone kind of clashes a little bit. Mm. Uh, that being said, it still works for me. It's just... I did. It surprises me that you say that that it was actually De Palma that wanted the big schlocky action. Yeah, thing in, at the in, end. in his documentary, he confirmed that he wanted that he got mm. mad that everyone it's just wanted to have a com- wanted to have them all having. Because I mean, that's just it. I, th- I think maybe he, I don't understand De Palma as much as I, I thought I did. Well, you know what? He, he just I guess he just kind of felt that the, the the stuff that they and I do agree with him honestly that the stuff that they were writing for inside the carts wasn't that satisfying. Sure, for, oh, sure. For how all the turns made, and he said you got to have something else. And again, he was thinking, I agree with that. He was yeah. thinking he was making the globe trotting Hitchcock identity thriller, so he needed that. North by Northwest Mount Rushmore bit or in Saboteur there's a big bit on top of right. uh, like the like the Statue of Liberty or something like that where like a dude like falls okay. off of it so and it stuff. So it was more so he wanted that he wanted the the majority of the film to kind of be a he wanted it to be, uh, to be a crescendo. Yeah, he wanted it to 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 have the suspense, but then at that last twenty minutes, he's just punching you in the face with something. Fucking exactly. Awesome. Okay. He, he wanted to do That's exactly cool. like, like what that. Hitchcock did with the, his old thrillers, sure, which was have that big final set piece that was like I, bigger than life and like rear projected. The thing I love about the look of the train sequence is that it's all blue screen. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, it look the, it does look decent, but I could kind of tell there. Well, I mean, the helicopter. How else are they gonna fucking do it? The but. helicopter doesn't look that great, but I'm surprised at how good it actually looks when they're just like crawling on top of the yeah, train and stuff. Yeah, it's not bad. But that's because the train and stuff and obviously the people are all 100% real and he just blue screened the background and then he took real footage and basically almost like rear projected it on the back, which is exactly oh, the kind okay. of old technique that Hitchcock would do with these sequences too. Okay. Um, and it does, it looks pretty, for a it's pretty for, for a nineties blue screen action set piece, it looks really good for sure. For sure, <laughs> we've seen some nineties uh, CGI and 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 blue screen I've effects. I've seen CGI that are, last oh, month for that sure. Worse yeah, than this. yeah, hell yeah, good point, good point, man. <laughs> 
for sure. So I will I will give them that. I guess for me it was yeah. just like when I saw that mm. masterfully suspenseful sequence in Langley. That's yeah. what just got me into this movie. So when it went to that, I was like, this is cool. I'm enjoying myself. I just wish it it mm. kept to the suspense the entire time. That that's just what really Yeah, well cuz because I would say I'd say I think you're right that the ending just gets a little bit more like action pulpy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Uh whereas like the the sort of the Langley sequence where they break into Langley to steal the knock list um with his team of uh Ving Rames of uh from Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and uh oh, What's the, what's the other dude? Oh, uh, John Reno from uh, Leon the Professional. Yes, yeah. Uh, when, when, when they all He's break in, um, it is it is just like an all-timer suspense sequence of establishing all these different elements, all these moving characters and pieces, and obviously you talked about that sequence where they, they kind of lay out all the different... Um, Things that are going to get them fucked uh, over yeah, if they don't do it right. Elements of how to break into the room, yeah. and we know we know about their each kind of character's attitudes and methods, and how all of these elements and these people interact. Yeah. And the way that this is like a balancing act of you know, action and reaction and action and reaction. Um, and the way that De Palma sets up the geography of the room and the space and the way that it's, it's yep. timed, like nothing I, I, is confused. Like it's I, very I, focused. I literally like gasp at that bit where the sweat drops off of his glasses yep. and you're like, <gasps> And, and then he catches, catches it, it with his hand. Dude, like, that's the thing. What Throughout this throughout this yeah. scene, like, when, for instance, the sound design, when they're, like, silence. And then well, there's because, silence because for, be, like, five minutes. Because, because that's genius. He, he even yeah. says, he even has the line, like, from now on, absolute silence. Yeah. And, and like, they, they set up a plot reason to have a really awesome filmmaking technique yeah. inside of it. So yes, that they can't. That's masterful. They, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> and, and, and the fact that, like, the suspense is just, it's so tense that I even feel like, as an audience member, I'm like, <laughs> catch my sweat. You know yep. what I mean? Like, yep. don't talk above one decibel. <laughs> like, it's just, it's crazy how, how into that scene uh, De Palma just kind of throws you into it. It's it, it's it's incredible. Yeah, yeah and he throws in all like these top down shots and all these like really extreme close ups on 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 crews. And obviously, and shows his physical performance. Yes. Right, like I was right physical yeah. performance. He's kind of almost got like a like he's a ballet dancer or something yep. uh, on the wire, and it's it's really oh and that awesome. and, and that bit where the the rat comes up through the the vent and there's a split diopter shot of John Reno's face and the rat coming up from the side to kill the rat yeah as well as hold cruise yeah so for a split second he lets him go we got that one inch away from the from the floor sequence where tom cruise is like jesus christ yeah and, and the way that he's waving his arms back and forth and he's like clearly struggling to remain balanced yep. uh and again like that's that's tom that's tom cruise like that physical performance yes. that he gives um is like a huge part of why that that scene works and you feel like this is the stuff that Tom Cruise likes the most and which is what he would choose to highlight in future entries as he would produce most of these movies. So he would tap and choose the directors for sure. And he would be like in this one, I'm going to do this stunt and I'm going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I, and, and, and that's like the first real sign of, of, of that is you get a master filmmaker doing one of his all time best suspense sequences and you know one of our best american action performers and you get you basically get to see both of these uh people interacting yeah. here in interesting ways and at the same time you get to see the birth of like 
what Tom Cruise would eventually become. For sure. I feel, I mean, at the end of the day, I All feel in like one. their conflict. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, I feel like their conflict was beneficial then because they ended up making a really tight movie exactly i feel like that's what made this film because although i myself personally love the uh the 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 more you know grounded suspenseful kind of kind of stuff when they get to the the big over the top action or, or is that what tom cruise was looking for more so you said like the more uh, Tom Tom Cruise just wanted more set pieces in general. Okay, okay. Um, and De Palma wanted one set piece, basically. I mean, okay. two technically, but he, right. He, but he wanted one set piece to be like not a big ass crazy one. He wanted okay. one to be the Langley set piece, and the other one to be the big one. Okay. So that was what De Palma wanted, and Tom Cruise felt like there was a lot of like, you know, there there wasn't enough movie stardom in the movie. There wasn't enough action stardom. There was too much like. Oh damn! But uh, see, that's when <laughs> when I'm watching him do his non-action stuff. That's the moments I actually was like, "You're a fucking movie star, dude!" Like yeah, Tom's when he's intense. just sitting in a chair yeah. and just kind of going like, just doing a smolder charm thing. Yeah. Like I'm like, dude, no one can pull this shit off like you can, honestly. Well, because I I loved the bit like for example when when because what happens when that mission goes wrong is Tom's the only one who survives. His whole team dies. And he goes back to the, uh, you know, the head of the IMF. And he's just like, what the fuck? They got the list. My whole team is dead. What happened? Yeah. And they said, oh, yeah, actually, all of this was just a ruse. We were just trying to sniff out a mole who was on your team. And we know that there's a mole and you're the only one who lived. So you're probably the mole. And Tom Cruise. Is and like, so they just viewed it as collateral damage. Exactly. To and Tom's just to like, do. you, you just realize I just lost three friends. And like, yeah, yeah, you just killed all of my friends yeah. uh, to find a mole. And I know that I'm not the mole. So and you didn't of this, find this him. is another great performance of his when he's kind mm-hmm. of like contemplating in his head what the fuck he's going to do. All this truth is coming out like most action stars do not have this range. And I feel like yeah. that also propels this. Film. Well, yeah. And De Palma chooses to do like those Dutch angle close ups on yeah. him while he's like rubbing his temples. And being he's like, sweating like yeah. it, like, oh, it's it's fantastic. And, and it's, you just it's, don't get it from a lot of action stars. Yeah. And you see him use that that two sided gum that turns into an explosive <laughs> when you put yeah. it together because he never ended up using using it yeah everything the writing too is very uh precise and and structured and well put together too because yeah you know they set that up where they show you all these cool gadgets and then they end up using like you're like oh maybe they just threw that gum thing in there whatever for nothing ends up being a pretty significant weapon for him i think two times in in the film so yeah it's just genius well and 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 this this i think began the the sort of like spy thriller where you get to see the spy go rogue and you like yeah and you you get to see him sort of it's almost like a survival movie at the same time where you i I love that whole born identity thing exactly and I, i love the bit where he first runs away after blowing up that restaurant and there's this there's there's there's, there's this top down shot of Great this huge sprint. spiral staircase that Tom Cruise is like at the bottom of, oh, and as yeah. Tom Cruise climbs it, the camera spins in the like clockwise direction of the the staircase. Yeah. And then when he gets to the top, the first thing he does is he starts breaking light bulbs. And I'm like, why the fuck are you breaking light bulbs? But then he starts scattering them on the floor so that when people come up to approach his apartment, he'll hear them coming. Yeah. And it's like it's little detailed touches like that that you know you know, really separate like a bad spy movie from like a good one. Absolutely. You know, it's like the, the attention 
that De Palma gives to, you know, a little character detail like that or something that a character would choose to do. Because um, they do sort of carve Ethan Hunt out as a unique character. Yeah. Um, even though I do think that the the climax of the film doesn't get him... He doesn't really much wrestle with a lot of the ideas that the film brings up. Yeah, a lot of this yeah. is about, you know, who's playing who and right. who and, you know, what's what's the ultimate performance. Yeah, because he's life. betrayed like three times from the same. Like yeah. he doesn't know who to trust. There's just a bunch the of best, complications. There. The best reveal, though, in the film is the one where John Voight, who comes back from the dead. Yeah. And he he's he he sits down with Ethan and he tells him, Do you know what? It's that that dude, the head of the IMF who you sat down, who said he's hunting for the mole, that guy's the mole. And Tom Cruise, in his head, you know that Ethan Hunt goes, That's fucking ridiculous. You're an idiot. But out loud he says, Oh yeah, like that makes sense. And he's sitting there and he's thinking about it and he's listening to John Voigt kind of feed him this information about what happened how that guy did the betrayal and killed his whole team um and you're getting all this information through the sound through the dialogue and orally but Uh then visually you can see tom cruise's brain piecing together what actually happened which was that john voight was the one who betrayed them all yeah um and again de palma found a way to get his subjective flashback pov shots in there again yeah uh while tom cruise and tom cruise's performance again out loud he's having a conversation with John Voight about how someone else betrayed him and in his brain he's thinking yeah. about how John Voight betrayed him and you can see it on his face while yeah. it's cutting between the close-ups of his face and the flashbacks that clearly revealed John Voight to be the one who orchestrated the murder of Emilio Estevez and how John Voight I love the bit where it's the POV shot where he like shoots his own chest and then puts right. like the blood pack over and then he like trips over the the bridge yeah which <laughs> also was cool it showed just more of you know the manip a lot of the manipulation relies on just what is mm. being shown to cruise mm. you know what i mean because like the only difference between him not, not understanding that he was shot and that it was all a ruse was just five seconds prior if you just showed him five seconds of the the footage before yeah and instead of okay and play and yep. then he's like oh no like it it just it it it's another take on kind of the first scene where it's like it's a setup and then it's all pulled apart and, exactly. the, and the truth is revealed. This is this is a movie about how we feed each other visual information right. and, and how we deceive each other and how we perform in front of other people. Um, and it's the perfect genre film to tackle that in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because this is exactly what these kinds of people do. And again, the De Palma just couldn't be a more perfect filmmaker for finding a way to do that in his own filmmaking and manipulate the audience, which gives you all kinds of fun twists and turns throughout the film, mm-hmm. which is just a really yeah. fun, engaging way to watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Again, so it's just, it, it's connecting the idea of audience members. We like to watch things and filmmakers like to deceive us. Yeah. So he's telling a story about how With characters yeah. watching and deceiving each other. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's a and really great. he always great, seems to have yeah. that kind of meta vibe uh, going on. Like yeah. De Palma just can't get out of his like, own head it yep. seems it's it's oh, he, he, he's just him. he's obsessed with voyeurism man and, <laughs> yeah. he, and he loves some fog and he loves some colors <laughs> uh i think someone someone i i follow online mallory andrews critic uh she said this is like what if hitchcock made a superhero origin story basically okay 
That's cool. So it's like it's it, it really is like if if you know De Palma's sleazy version of Hitchcock ended up making a blockbuster because that's literally what happened here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's pretty amazing that this exists, and I love that it's filled with yes. all kinds of '90s cheese stuff in it. I love the yep. scene where he tries to access the internet and he just types into the search <laughs> bar just... access internet. Yeah. And then and then he's trying to like email a dude and all he knows is that his J- name is Job 314 like, or whatever. Job. Yeah, and he's like <laughs> He's like uh, max at job314.com and yeah. he just enters that into the search bar and I'm like, what the hell was internet That's, in the 90s? I literally put in my notes, computer hacking. Like, yeah. It was just like, I'm in. This, is, <laughs> this is 90s computer hacking. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's sort of interesting because I think you're right that there, there was... Uh, that the clashing does kind of work for the film, yeah. Because because there is clearly the blockbuster film that the studio wanted to get made, but yeah. then there's also a little bit of Tom of of Tom Cruise's you know like serious action uh, as well as his physicality and his and his physicality. Yeah. But there's al- also De Palma's playful visual style, yep. which de- which is apparently what Tom Cruise objected to the most. Which is just uh, <laughs> I just. Dude, you're working with De Palma. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and that and, seems odd to me. And my thing was, if like, who if, came on first? Was it De Palma or was it Cruz? Because if Cruz is coming on, knowing De Palma is directing it, Tom Tom Cruise it produced, just seems so, so Tom weird. Cruise knew. Okay. Um, I'm, and Tom Cruise had a purpose in selecting the director, but I, I think so weird. I think he just felt, and I guess we'll see this when we get into Mission Impossible Two, because clearly Mission Impossible Two was what came out of what Tom Cruise thought Mission Impossible was lacking. Was going to be? Or uh, what it should be? More yeah, so? Yeah, and I think that That's was... That's interesting. And I, I think that was what he kind of felt was the problem, is that he picked a sort of, um, you know, more thriller-oriented, intellectual, uh, you know, Hitchcockian kind of filmmaker. It is interesting, too, because, like, the rest of them, although they're all very different, I think more lean towards the first one than the second one. Like, the second one is, it's which we're about to get into, is its own fucking thing. Oh, and it's yeah. I mean, it's John Woo. Of course. You know, so, of course, it's its own thing. <laughs> but it's so its own thing yep. that it just... It, it, this is honestly, like, just shocking me that, that, that Cruz wanted more of, of that than, than what we got and what we eventually... God. Well, I think where we're at now is actually what Tom Cruise wanted. I think over sure, over the course of the plan. movies, he's been trying to like. To he's I been, think maybe number four was the one where he's like, "We got it, boys." I think I think number four <laughs> was the one where he was like, "We finally did it. We got the seamless okay. plot. We got the you know we got the we action. got the, yeah we stunts. We, we cool. got all the stunts. We got all the action. <laughs> we got a little bit of character stuff going on." He's like, "I think we did it all." Yeah. Uh, and what's so interesting though is that Mission Impossible is just so. It's when you go back and watch it now, uh, because the action scenes in the later ones are so crazy. You watch this, you're like, this is almost tame. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. And and it it is more purely thriller esque and yep. an actual like pulpy spy movie um, than any of the other ones ended up being. Yeah, it's much um, more of a mystery vibe than anything uh, else. And it's very paranoia and like yeah, exactly. very very, very Hitchcock. The, 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 the shots are like tilted and off kilter, and the lighting is very like stark. Like again, no other Mission Impossible movie looks like this. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, and I honestly, I I do think that's to its benefit. It's one of my favorite ones. It's probably yeah. my second favorite one. Oh, it's your second favorite? Nice. Yeah, my my favorite one is probably the fourth one. I nice. love. The See, fourth I need one, to rewatch so. the fourth one. 
Um, Brad maybe, Bird. Should we get in the reductive rating round? Yeah, so, yeah, okay. yeah. Before we start ranking all the Mission Impossible yeah, movies. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's get into the reductive rating round. For me, uh, Mission Impossible is a high four. Um, nice. It's really, yeah. really solid. I don't I don't think it's quite on the level of like the fives I've already given De Palma. Yeah. It's because I do feel that De Palma is being more limited here mm-hmm. than he usually is by, you know, having to, you know, make a, a very studio oriented plot. Even though that I think that plot is totally serviceable, my only complaints about it are that I do think that the the payoff for all of it on the train in the third act is not uh, you know, particularly satisfying for me yeah i think i i would have liked to see a more clear indication of the idea of performance and deception play more into it yeah because really it yeah. just goes once it's revealed that john voight was the one it just kind of becomes a okay i guess we'll just catch john voight now yeah there's a, and the, there's a small little hint at the idea that maybe the girl was possibly playing tom cruise yeah um but that that's basically it, and that basically gets lost as soon as John Voight gets on top her. of the chain. Yeah, uh, on top of the train. Yeah, um, and then that train sequence. Uh, you know, honestly, I actually feel like I would be really disappointed by the third act of this if it didn't have such a crazy ass set piece sure. because the stuff on the train didn't work for me that well. Uh, okay. But as soon as like uh, Tom Cruise is doing that physical performance thing where he's on top of the train and the wind is blowing his tie everywhere and he's like he's like doing that uh, like in the Wolverine when they're on the, okay. the bullet train and they're like jumping up and down on this moving to train the, where they're all like yeah. flying across to it get and to stuff. Like, the third like again, train, yeah. that stuff was a lot more fun to me and it, I was actually surprised when I found out Tom Cruise wanted to do that stuff that it was De Palma's idea to do that stuff and not Tom's. That, well, yeah, that's where I'm shocked. I'm, I'm absolutely shocked. <laughs> I figured every little, every big schlocky action thing was more like what Cruz would want. Mm. That's what my... But yeah, no, person. apparently it was De Palma in the writer's crazy. room because he was like, we need to have a crazy action set piece at the end. <laughs> and I get, I mean, I get his, 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 uh, his view there. Um, I'm also going to give it a four. Uh, a high four. It was almost a five, honestly. There was oh, yeah? just a few things. Yeah, because I was looking at it and I'm like, this is a masterful uh, espionage film. Uh, the, the suspense, once again, I mean, I go the gaga over that fucking is, yeah. wire s- sequence. It's just ridiculously good. Every bit of that scene is perfect. And that and that bit when the knife drops. And it, right, and, and it's it, almost like a calling card in a way. He, yeah. Unintentional, obviously. But yeah, but it, but it drops and it hits the table right when he opens the door so it doesn't set the sound yeah. off. But the big sound Everything of it landing in the table. Perfect. Yeah. Everything is perfect. The Langley set piece scene. is one of De Palma's finest that's where, pieces of Because suspense. I like... There's nothing about this movie I like dislike. It's just... You like that more that, than you like the The, the ending, stuff. yeah, because yeah. that like final 15 minutes when he gets onto the train, although I'm thrilled and I'm like, this is very cool... I just didn't think that that's where the film was going to go, and yeah. it kind of uh, fights it a little bit. It, mm. it conflicts for me. So um, it's a it's a, f- a really high four, and uh, I think this might be my favorite Mission Impossible movie, mm. but I do need to rewatch four, because mm. that one I'm pretty sure is the one that's battling it right now. Mm. But I, I haven't watched it in a few years, so it's hard to say. Well, you'll definitely need to rewatch them all before the new one comes out. Yeah, I'm going to watch <laughs> all of them. I'm going to go three, four, five before we watch six, so... Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that does it for the first Mission Impossible, and we'll probably jump right into Mission Impossible Two, which is a segment you won't want to miss. <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah, this is this one is a controversial film. It seems. Yeah, most people seem to think it's the worst one, and I disagree so hard. Yeah, I, I yeah uh. I do too. I think. Uh, but yeah, let's get into it. Mission Impossible. The. 
All right, we are talking Mission Impossible uh, 2, the uh, 2000 uh, action espionage. Uh, I, this one's a little less of a thriller, but I mean, I guess yeah, it is still. Yeah, a lot still. more action in this a one. A lot more uh, action-based, but I mean, I guess it still does, because <laughs> I don't know if Tom Cruise is a Hitchcock dude, too, but this literally steals a Hitchcock plot, which just... Oh, uh, does it? Yeah. Which uh, one? The movie Notorious. Okay. It's a movie about a dude who uh, takes on... Is it with all the face mask shit that happens no, in this movie? No, it, but it's about a, a dude who takes on, like, the daughter of the dude he's trying to capture as, like, uh, he incorporates her as part of, like, his his plan to, uh, you know, get into that guy's inner circle basically. Mm -hmm. And, but he starts falling in love with the girl and like, it's like the literal plot of this is the exact same plot as notorious basically. Okay. Um, just throw in the woo with it. Yeah. (laughs) But directed instead by, uh, John woo. Oh yeah. uh, Legendary Hong Kong, Johnny, uh, action filmmaker, the inventor of gun foo. And dubs. Uh, and, and, and dubs. <laughs> he made dubs. Dubs did not exist uh, <laughs> until John Woo captured them on camera. Yeah. Uh, and then they were allowed out into the world. Uh, and, and basically what you see here is a complete left field turn of oh the Mission God. Impossible franchise where it takes the same basic espionage plotting mm-hmm. and the same character and uh, you get to see Woo. It sniffs a line of coke. And oh then, yeah, and then it goes. Let's make a movie. <laughs> yep, and you get to see John Woo, who was in a really weird phase of his career, where you know he got he got uh, noticed a lot for his Hong Kong action films that he was making at the time, films like The Killer, these very highly oh, yeah. stylized melodrama films about dudes holding two guns and destroying entire rooms filled with pottery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, hard boiled as well flying all the time is is awesome uh, but Wind this machines this film <laughs> sees him near the end of his American phase I think he actually only made one or two more uh, Hollywood films after Mission Impossible 2 uh, but prior is it to because Mission people were shitting on him, yes, which is bullshit. Let's yeah. put that on the record. Yeah, because this they, movie they, is not bad. They they, <laughs> they they see his style and they see that it's it's sort of it's it's very uh, sincere and cheesy, and they and yeah. they see that and they go, I guess oh, that's I, sincerely I cheesy, and I don't think people react to that well. They're like, it's either going to be ironic or uh, yeah, you know, people sincere. people watch that they and can't they, have both, and, and they seems. they think they that it's like a so bad it's good kind of thing, and I'm like, there's nothing uncontrolled or bad about what John Woo does as a filmmaker. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> that's a great point because yeah. regardless of how you feel about his direction and the tone that he gives off in this film, yeah. You can't not say that this motherfucker did not direct the hell out of this movie. Exactly. Every single shot. But people, you tell he sat down and thought real hard about what he well, wanted and, to do. Well, and that's just on, it is people watch film, things like Hard Target or Broken Arrow or uh, Face Off, 
which is an absolute all-timer. Love it. But yeah, but people genuinely... They hate on that, too. People think that it's a so-bad-it's-good kind right. of movie. And, and I'm no, like, you guys are fucking good. idiots. Yes, it it's is. amazing. Yeah. All of this shit is intentional. Yeah. Like, all this this weird tonal stuff that's just like, am I supposed to be laughing at well, or with? Well, beca- well because people don't... It doesn't, it doesn't translate people think anyway it doesn't translate because it's not how they're used to watching movies but this is just what all John Woo movies are like and if you watch any of his Hong Kong movies it's it's the exact same stuff and it's mm-hmm. all masterful it's just because you're not used to hearing people talk this way uh, yes. in in an American film you think that it's silly but you know probably people from China probably think it's silly when they see the ch- these Chinese actors talking this way because it's yeah. very macho it's very melodramatic but it's also very intentional. This is just the wavelength that he works in. Yeah. Um, and it's fucking beautiful. Because, the again, none of his style or the sort of theatricality that he's going for with his filmmaking would work if characters were doing this naturalistic, like, intimate character work. That doesn't... Right. That does, it wouldn't make sense in his universe. You can't have... You know, uh, dudes doing 360s while the camera flips over an explosion where doves are flying and then, you know, have this really intimate character scene. That's not how it works. Yeah. Like everything needs to be heightened with that, including performance, including character, including all the love. And, shit. Like, and, and, and again, great... and again, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad at all. I actually think that the stuff here between Tom Cruise and Tandy Newton is kind of good. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that I think both of them good. are solid. And I think that John Woo's choice to just be like, what if I had t- two hot people and I made them kiss each other? I think that's a completely valid way to film romance. <laughs> yeah. And th- this movie actually r- reminded me, it was kind of like an unofficial video game movie to me. Yeah. <laughs> it gave me very hard video game vibes just with all of the hyperbolized kind of love stuff with the action, like the sequence when he like, He's getting shot. There's sparks flying everywhere. Slow motion, you know. Woo shit's going on. Oh, and, there's, and, and he's and just like, you got to stay alive. I'll, I'll be back for you. And then he just like pushes off of her and starts going. <laughs> like, it's just so video game and so babe, over the top. Babe, I'm coming back. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that. And like, I don't mean to make fun of it. Yeah. But it kind of reminded me of the Team America thing. Oh, where no. they're just like, like, no. You can't leave now. Like that kind of <laughs> shit where it's just, you know, it's like, you got to move on, Kelly. Like that. Well, whole, yeah, like, that, that's just it is that people people <laughs> associate that now with with badness, like that the, kind of thing. The cheese, right. Yeah. And then but but like you're watching John Woo do Lou it. Lou is sincere about it. And I buy every single second of it, honestly. Yeah. Even, that's, see, that's where I get a little. Uh, I don't buy every second of it. There is oh, still a man, bit of I'm cheese. I'm so there for the, the like the universe that he creates. It's a little weird going straight I from De Palma's universe to this one. Yeah, that's what it is. I think if it was just a John Woo movie, like let's say this was but Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh, it is. Yes, it is. But let's say this was Mission Impossible One. This is. This I would have been like. Fuck yeah. This is a Mission but Impossible that movie that this, takes place in the face-off universe is what yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That, it is so face-off, it's ridiculous. It's, uh, I mean, it's just woo. But, but yeah, that does ignore continuity. Right, and I think that that's maybe what pissed people off a little bit because oh, Mission yeah. Impossible was a big name thing, right? Yeah. Like this yeah. was one of, the, it, one of the most iconic heist movies just ever now. So when they when you go and then four years later you're like, we're gonna watch Mission Impossible 2, masterful suspense sequences, blah blah blah. And then you get John Woo throwing doves at the screen and and slow-mo out the ass and like these corny kind of uh, you know, stay alive. We've got yeah. to go on and like all that shit. Yeah. I think people just got a little bit 
you know, confused by that. And that I can understand. Because yeah. I also was kind of there, too. Yeah. Um, that being said, I love John Woo. So I knew what he was doing and I knew everything that he was doing was intentional. So that's where oh, yeah. when I was talking about, about it earlier. I was a little conflicted with this okay. because I'm, I'm sitting here going, this is a fucking amazing John Woo movie. But I don't know if this is a good Mission Impossible movie. Well, see, for me, you know what I mean. For me, the the one weak spot of of the film is that it's it's a little it's a little too cut up. Sure. Uh, because for John Woo, um, yeah, yeah, his his, his his he has a very unique visual style, and clearly the editors, you can't do much with his visual style that he didn't plan for absolutely because he shoots it all very uniquely well even like little things like one move he'll do like three zooms and a and a repeat yeah like the one where he takes down the guard on the hill and does a front flip kick into his stomach yeah and he literally repeats that one shot three times before he finally lands it yeah it's very and it's all in slow motion yeah exactly like how else are you gonna do that through through editing you know they yeah definitely had that in mind and there was no way they well could and that's one of my that's that. one of my absolute favorite bits because he does that like that's that's like a finishing move to a villain like, yeah move <laughs> yeah. that he does he does like, it to a guard and he does it to one a single guard, guard. <laughs> yeah for, for just no reason and and i was like i was like that, what did that guy do <laughs> yeah and then even after that when he zooms down to take out the next guard he has like a crazy choreographed twist move gets him down onto the ground, smashes his head off the ground. Like it's always complicated. And then, and it's not just like a, you know, like Juno chop, you know. Yeah, and then and, well, and, then, and then he does another backflip double kick onto another <laughs> dude when there's pigeons like in the peripheries of the yeah. film in slow motion. Yeah, dude, <laughs> speaking of the pigeons, the best pigeon or dove, I guess. Uh, sequence is when the, the fucking door explodes on fire and, <laughs> and one dove. dove comes out like into the camera i lost my mind and and on it i don't even know that's where i get conflicted because i go and i sit here and i go this is amazing style stylistically but then i'm just sitting here going i just don't know if it works as a continuation of mission impossible because it's so different from even the other films too you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but see, it, that that didn't even bother me for a second. Sure, <laughs> I, and you know what? And that's where, but that's where my conflict goes because my brain still doesn't want to let go of the because, first be, movie. because I would not want to see John Woo trying to like do a poor mimic of De Palma yeah. style, right? Like I, I would, just, I would rather. I, wish? I almost <laughs> wish that this was like the first one. I wish they switched. I almost I would yeah, but then been, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see De Palma do a poor mimic of John Woo style either. No, but that's I'm what I'm saying <laughs> is is I almost wish that the styles were. Just them. They're not copying off of anybody. Yeah. But it was like if this was ju- the the movie that started it, oh, you know, and, and then it, it, it went had into kind of the cheese. It had the over the top action, and then it went into De Palma's and became more of a suspenseful espionage '60s mm, thriller. Mm. I almost would have been more accepting of it, but I just find it a little odd. Mm. I don't think it's bad. I, I think it's very good. <laughs> yeah, it's just I find it a little odd that they go from this kind of more grounded suspenseful thriller mm. into this over the top schlocky crazy you know 2000s action movie it was just it was just odd for me mm. i guess it was i don't know do you feel that at all or honestly it, not really is like, it just doesn't bother you it just do you see what i'm saying i do i do see but what it you, just doesn't bother i do see you. what you're saying and i think that that is the majority of people's complaints but it doesn't it doesn't you're just viewing it as like a john woo 
film. Basically, I'm I'm seeing this almost as more of a sequel I, to I, Face Off than Mission Impossible. Right. And for some reason, it just doesn't even bother me that there the lack of continuity because I almost see it as its own like episode that sure. I don't need. That uh, if, if if anything, I I wish that all of these movies were so starkly visually different every single time. And I guess they are. They the are. Third, the third well, one by Abrams looks completely different than the first two, too. But see, I think that's this, a detriment. I think the third one actually doesn't look as good as either of the first two. I, I could I could agree with you. Because that's got more there. of like a TV pilot like look yeah. to it. Just to speak briefly on the third one in regards to kind of this one, seeing how these films have really done something extremely different every single time, mm-hmm. it almost made me like... The because because you say I think the third one is one of your it's least my least favorite. favorite. Oh, it's your least favorite, yeah. even out of the number five. Yeah, I oh, like shit. Okay, I, I like it way more than five. I thought really? five was I gave like I was kind of bored with five. Five is the one that everyone like loves the most. Well, I, I think you know they're that. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think, think four or one is the best. For, so. for 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 me, five is. I the, like three. So five is the one. Uh, but also made me work. The first like hour fifteen of five is like amazing. The opera house sequence sure. is top tier. You know what? I will give you that. I, th- uh, I did think it's just it lulls in the last half. I, d- I do think the last and I like, think the villain was so fucking dull and boring, and I didn't give a shit about the villain honestly. Yeah. Whereas every other villain in this. Even though, like... Yeah, but see, you say you say that, but, like, even... Like, granted, the third one got Philip Seymour Hoffman, who was one of the great character <laughs> actors of all time. Yeah. But his made... villain doesn't do anything. Okay, I haven't seen it in a little while, uh, but I just... He's, he's in, like, three scenes tops, and one of them is, like, one where he basically just is, like, revealed to be, like... Uh, <laughs> He, because it's all after like this MacGuffin. We need this thing. We need this rabbit's foot. That's what he's after. He's just a guy who's after a thing. That's it. And right. then, and then he tests Tom Cruise by, I guess, kidnapping his wife. And then they try to make it like really brutal, where he's like, "I'm gonna kill her." Yeah. And like, that's it. That's all he does. Those are the two but things I mean, that he does. I, I mean, but you, can, I think. It's not like any of these villains have a lot of depth. Most of them are just after one oh. stupid biochemical thing. And oh, they're just absolutely. So, that, I mean, that's I what I'm saying. That. That's why I think the critique of the fifth one is it like the fifth one being like a not but, particularly But the thing is, is I found like I actually got something from the villains with that one. With the fifth one, it was just like this mm. old bald dude that was just like, yeah, do this, do that. Like there was nothing that mm. I could grab on. Well, I hope I hope I think they're repeating that guy a little bit in the upcoming well, maybe one. Make so it I, more I hope he does better. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think the movie's bad by any means. But anyway, the with the third one, I guess, uh, what I think maybe even makes the second one work for me a little more now that I think about it is that the way that char- his character is now forced to go, like the mm-hmm. first one, it's like you see him just discovering all of these lies that he has to live through being a part of this espionage uh, group and all that. And then yeah, the and, second and, one and, is And it this, sounds terrible, but that they, and at the end of the movie, he's like, it was kind of cool, though. Yeah, so that he's like, maybe I'll take still, on another mission. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then the second one, I feel like, you know, he's he's thrown back into it. So he's this kind of like, and he's, and he's well-versed in, in the spy game. So he's mm-hmm. this action star and all that. Whereas I guess now I think the third one really works well because we've had those first two movies and then the third one goes and it just tears him down and goes, we're just going to kill every fucking thing that you love, that kind of thing. And they Mm. go a lot darker in the third one. Mm. Um, And so I guess that uh, for me it it does help a bit with this movie because then I can kind of separate the first one. See his journey as an over. Yeah, and I can separate the first one from this one and say that I should just view them as individual installments rather Mm. than try to 
connect them all as much as I do. Right. It's just weird for me because I'm not used to a franchise that goes so <laughs> different in every single movie, right? It's a yeah. good thing. It's just I guess that my brain's not used to it, so yeah. I don't know how to quite compute it sometimes. That's that's all. Well, I think that we should talk a little bit more about the second one. Oh, for Cause, sure. Because we got a little off track talking <laughs> about the whole franchise as a whole, but... I think uh, it's important for the record, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But John Woo does blow up the style of this franchise. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's so goddamn fun that I, I can't, even if I was, like, annoyed at it on a continuity level, I would just get so swept up in what John Woo's doing that I couldn't possibly, like, stay that way yeah. about it. Uh, it. It begins immediately, because yeah. we didn't talk about the iconic score in the first bit. We didn't really need to. Danny Elfman. Yeah. Shout out. Because, like, Wild. to make something that iconic, too, mm. is so difficult. I mean, like... Yeah, it's incredible. It's an incredible did. piece of music, and the first thing John Woo does it is give it like a new metal like layover. Yeah, Hans Zimmer was just like, <laughs> "We're gonna do that, but we're gonna do it with fucking electric guitars." Yep, uh, and and Tom Cruise got to do uh, his first requested stunt, which was free rock climbing. That's it, he did that. He huh? did that. Yep. Fuck me. He was like, "I want to do that, so that's what we're gonna do." That's crazy. Yep. Because uh, it's well shot. I wasn't even sure how they were doing it. I was like, "Are you doing this, yeah. Cruz?" Like, and, and, and he's like hanging damn. off on two sides, and I'm just like, "Dude, what? Are you for real?" He's, he's like, insane. and he's like, "I'm vacationing," and I'm like, "Oh, fuck you." Yeah. <laughs> this is just. This is nothing. I couldn't like. I couldn't even You're dream of doing games? that one day. Fucking, yeah. And he's like, "This is relaxing for me," and I'm like. Fucking oh my god! Yeah, because you assume that he's like on a mission or something. Yeah, you assume that his character it's mission is, impossible. Right, you assume and then, he's, you and assume then he just doing... gets a call and he's like, "What? I've just been on vacay for a couple weeks." I'm like, "Oh, yeah. this is what you decide to do on your downtime." Yep, and uh, <laughs> they they call him back in because uh, there's been an incident at Biosite Pharmaceuticals. Yes, where they have they have invented some kind of. Uh, biochemical weapon so that they can also invent the cure and they can sell the cure. Uh, they can create the disease and also sell the cure. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the, that's the main, main idea behind all of it. And Tom Cruise had a bit of a personal relationship with one of the scientists behind it. Uh, and the bad guy poses as Tom Cruise in like the opening scene uh, on the plane with the scientist. Oh, right. And, takes the plane whole plane down and takes the cure but didn't end up taking the uh the actual disease that he needs to sell the cure because the dude had injected it inside of himself (laughs) yeah that he was a living carrier of the disease um (laughs) and this this plane bit is is pretty nuts when they actually like crash the plane into the side of the mountain yeah, uh, <laughs> which is just pretty nuts, and obviously it, it's also really weird watching a dude pull Tom Cruise's face off. Yeah, yeah, because uh, again, John Woo just he needed to up the face offs because yeah. that's just what <laughs> he, he loves to do. I, I was gonna say it seems like in this movie it, Woo saw like the one or two times they do it in the first one, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna make that happen like 15 well, times in well, my movie." Clearly, what happened is Tom Cruise watched Face Off and was like, "You're making a new Mission Impossible." <laughs> movie and that's basically what he did he basically just did face off again uh but inside of uh uh the mission impossible franchise uh and again you know it's not the best john woo because you know it's not face off or hard boiled the same way that de palma's best film is not mission impossible it's it's a filmmaker working within a framework but 
the amount of freedom that Tom Cruise is willing to give them to do his theatrical stuff, to do all the slow motion and spins and breaking objects and like shattering debris and gunfire. Yeah. Uh, and like and how the, the two people fall in love in this movie, they, they spin see out t- on guitar or guitar. They spin out on with a, with their cars on the highway. They're basically dancing inside convertibles <laughs> At high speeds, on yeah. the side of like a mountain. Yeah. And then they're like, about to fall off a cliff and they're they, like they, we they, should bang they get into a near-death experience and are like damn you're fucking sexy yeah, and, you are are like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and to be fair john woo films tom cruise's long hair always blowing in the wind yeah and like tom cruise is always sweaty and in the sun in this version of him rather than De palma where he's always like in shadows Pristine, or at yeah. night or like you know uh he, he's almost kind of like weirdly uh like shadowed and and um I forget what they call it, like sharp in, in the first mission impossible for sure. Here is probably the most conventionally handsome Tom Cruise has just ever looked in general. Yeah. And then every shot is in service of trying to make him look like the coolest motherfucker ever. Oh, and not just with with the the leather jacket and the sunglasses. At one point he literally does unironically the Zoolander face. Smolder. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) When he goes through the fire on the motorcycle. Which, by the way, if you've never seen it, there's a there's a, a fun little parody clip online somewhere on YouTube where Ben Stiller actually uh, does like a, a fake behind the scenes mockumentary where he plays Tom Cruise's stunt double. Oh, my and Tom God. Cruise actually participated in it. And it was press for this movie. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Where irony there. Yeah. Where Ben Stiller is basically being like, yeah, I'm Tom Cruise's stunt double, but he does like 90% of his stunts. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's, oh my God. Do you know what's crazy? They just redid that skit for the, for the new one. Did they? Yeah, they had a they had just like an up and coming comedian go like, "Hey, I'm uh, his stunt double. I don't I don't do anything. I just have to be on the set for liability reasons." <laughs> and it shows like a clip of him like kicking a table and the whole thing falls and like <laughs> meanwhile Tom Cruise is like jumping off of buildings and shit. It's great. Oh my god. But that's funny. I had no it's almost like a a copy. I didn't even know. Yep. Yep. That's interesting. But yeah, that that opening bit where he spots Tandy Newton across the room where there's like fire going and everyone's dancing and there's lots yeah. of colors and they're slow-mo look at each other like damn yeah. and then they have a, a little back and forth dance driving convertibles at high speeds on a mountaintop uh, and then they they have sex because that's just what it's happens what hot people it's, do it's, after what hot, it's what hot people do after <laughs> they have near death experiences exactly. uh, and they immediately fall in love with one another and then Tom Cruise finds out that he has to <laughs> Uh, send her back to uh, a ex-lover who happens to be an agent who he hates, who happens to be the guy who killed the scientist. Yeah, exploded the plane. It's a real messy love triangle happening here. Uh, And uh, Tandy is is awesome. I think she got a bit of a raw deal when it came to getting roles after this because people thought that she wasn't... Because the movie wasn't wasn't good? Yeah, I don't know if people just thought that she wasn't good in it. Well, the movie's not good. People said that the movie wasn't But she's actually made a bit of a comeback because she's one of the leads on the new Westworld show and she's awesome on it. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, because I thought she was great in this. Yeah, she's a a lot of fun and she, she she has the good smolder too and she sells a lot of the big moments, especially the moment that you were talking about where Tom Cruise gets, uh, he's like, oh, I'm coming back for you. Yeah. Meanwhile, everything alive, is exploding baby. in the background and yeah. Tandy's just looking badass being like, I, I just made the choice to inject myself with the, yeah. the, the, the disease to save everyone. Yeah. Like um, super badass character. Uh, I was watching it with my buddy and he was like, she's a world-class thief. 
and she gonna steal his heart. (laughs) 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 That's good. Um, And yeah, there's, uh, basically he has to send her undercover to go back uh, and live with her her ex-lover, who is the the villain who's trying to orchestrate this biochemical uh, disaster. And there's this amazing shot of Tom Cruise watching her leave in just the the, the reflectors of his sunglasses. Yeah, and he he has the line. He's like, "I'm not gonna lose you," yeah. is what he says. And he's watching her, and yeah. it's just you know these moments that they they sound so silly, but they just make so much sense in the John Woo universe. That's what I was gonna say. With Woo's style, it yeah. makes perfect sense that all of this melodrama is what serves the action because you know people there's nothing that would make sense for these people to do. Like the actual action they do is so insane that no person would ever choose to do them unless they were this passionate about something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's just kind of how it works. And again, there's lots of slow-mo shots of like the bit where she approaches the, the, the villain or her ex lover and like her scarf is like a cape blowing in the wind Mm -hmm. and it's all like slow motion and the music is going and then the scarf flies off and the dude catches it it in midair and they look at each other so intensely this is a lot of people looking at each other really intensely and feeling things yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely that's like like 50 percent of this movie uh and john woo finds all ki- all kinds of colors to fit in there's a an outdoor shot of tom cruise in australia on this like big red sunrise basically yeah. uh that's going down and then you contrast that later when he goes into the lab and everything is like this really like neon green. Yeah, dark and neon. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like, a, like a slimy green. Too, they they yeah. sort of have an homage to his wire suspense sequence where he takes a wire out of a helicopter into a small vent that he has to get right. into and have the rope be pulled back out of in like 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, and. Yeah, and again, and once again, it even it even uh, does a bit of a callback to kind of his like ballet like technique when yep. he's when he's where he's falling and then he lands graceful. and he's yeah, yeah yeah it's very cool yeah Tom Cruise's physical performance in here is again because the stunts call for it is just more impressive only because only Cruise could pull this shit off I swear to God yeah well and the I don't know if you you heard the bit about the knife the knife bit did you hear about the mm, knife I bit don't think I there, did. in the in the final climactic fight with the the villain. Um, there's a bit where the, a knife almost gets into his eye. And oh, yeah. It, like, the villain goes like, Whoo! Oh, that shot he, is insane. Uh, he did that. Are you fucking kidding? And, 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 John, I, and John Woo, who is an absolute madman, get this, John Woo is, like, is a crazy man. He said, you don't have to do that. Like, I'll just, like, we can just, we can just fake, like, we can just, we can get the, the knife, like, you know, like, a few inches away, and then we'll cut, and we'll have the knife already there. Like, it's yeah. fine. Like, that'll, that'll work in my editing style. We don't, you don't have to do this. And Tom Cruise was like, no. I want him to have that knife exactly one quarter inch away from my eyeball, and they measured it out. That's fucking. Nuts. And they and they 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 measured it out what? so that it would exactly do that. And he said, I, and they said, okay, well, <laughs> at least we're gonna get the dude to do it a little slower than he usually would. And he was like, no, I want that guy going full speed, full intensity. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him. Like, just because I know if he I wants did to any die. of this, I would die. Yeah. And Tom Cruise has Lord Zeno on his side, and it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. How is, how is like, Tom Cruise's only major injury on was on the most recent movie where he, like, broke his ankle or something. Like, how is that Roll, Sprained my yeah. ankle. <laughs> like, broke a pinky. Like, fucking dude. When I saw that, that shot, 
my brain did like because because I just now I understand you think it's that movie Cruise, magic, yeah, right. But I also had the thought that Cruz wants to do these stunts, and I wasn't sure which movie he started to really focus and do that. So mm-hmm. I guess it was this one. And when I saw that shot, I was like, "That looks so real," but it looked so real uh, that I went, "There's no way Cruz would have that happen yeah. because that is literally a career-ending move if." The thing goes a quarter inch forward. Yeah. So it's just, I'm mind blown right now. I can't believe that that's actually a fucking real shot. Yeah, he actually he that's actually crazy. did that because he's, a, he's an absolute idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a madman. But uh, I mean, and, and again, it works perfectly too because that there's like an, an extreme close up of that shot as it's happening, and you see Cruz's eye being like, oh, that knife almost went into it. Yeah. Uh, but John Woo is awesome at these little tiny detailed Son of a bitch. extreme close up shots, like that bit where there's the close up on the cigar cutter that the villain uses, where it's like. <laughs> And, oh, I, and, yeah. and then you're like, oh, he's he's going to do something with that. And then he uses it like 10 seconds later on his henchman's finger. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the uh, the amount of sort of like small gestures, but like really huge impacts in this film, which mm-hmm. is super John Woo is is amazing. The the uh, the shootout that takes place in the lab is amazing, especially because uh, there's a lot of intense melodramatic emotions flying and the music really reflects that with like this like Spanish guitar being like oh yeah. these, these people they're being separated but they're gonna get back to each other because they love each other so much yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile like Tom Cruise that does give who up has, that vibe who has, of love right yeah who passion has, who has never yeah like passion is flying just as much as like bullets and yeah. debris is flying is <laughs> like the idea and dubs are flying uh, and Tom Cruise who has never done action scenes this way ever again is like firing the two Akimbo guns or yeah. whatever doing the woo uh, it's just it's it's awesome, man. Because like immediately yeah. when those henchmen break into that lab, they start like sliding down the things and firing guns. And I'm like, no henchman would ever do that in any other movie. Yeah, yeah. Like that's Even so the intense. Of style. That's like zero to one hundred. <laughs> yeah, like, everybody got style in this film. <laughs> Everyone is the coolest version of themselves. <laughs> yeah, man. And Tom Cruise is like sliding down cables, and he does like multiple like three sixties where he's like spinning guns and stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, and 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 it and all the camera works like above him, so you see the full. 360 yeah. and all that stuff yeah it's yeah great. and uh even in the in the lab too there's like rainbow lighting on his face yeah. where you can see all the different colors and they're yeah they're they're doing crazy angles with like mirrors in the backgrounds again john woo i think underrated that people don't talk about a lot of the time is his actual like sets and i yeah. guess what they would call mise-en-scene so like all the placements of objects in the set mm-hmm. um because again he blows half that shit up and he but has characters interacting very, with it uh, all. you can understand it it's not confusing no he does a really good job of making you still understand the layout of a room and not make it so convoluted that you're just kind of like well how did he get there like because he could yeah. with all these massive explosions well and, and, and that yeah that, that's just it too i would them. say that this movie more than a usual john Moo movie cuts it a little much and it cuts does, it yeah. cuts it so that's a little bit more confusing than usual but again John Woo's style is just that off, uh, still manages to pull through yeah. it's just a case of you know his Hong Kong movies would have let him hold shots a little longer so you right. would even have an even better sense of some of the stuff that he's <laughs> doing because I want I want a slower cut version of that bit where he 
pops a front wheelie on the motorcycle <laughs> while doing a 360, while the car beside him is also doing a 360, while he's also shooting the gas tank of that car yeah. until it blows up and flips while doing a 360. <laughs> yeah. And there, and again, the two shots that John Woo uses are a 360 of Tom Cruise and a 360 of the car. And if you just like did one and then cut to the other one and that was it and you actually like and just like two shots yeah. that would be amazing and again this movie just needs to do like four or five different shots of that yeah. and i'm like ah. <laughs> yeah another thing i just need to shout out uh call to face off once again when cruise uh fucking skis on the the road with his motorcycle <laughs> very similar to when nick cage skied gets on punched <laughs> off of a speedboat and, and then starts the barefoot thing. skiing i'm like woo just likes that woo loves people not actually using the vehicle <laughs> but using the terrain that it's on it's it's just oh yeah it was awesome and, 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 and they they're jousting on crotch rockets <laughs> yeah. like what the Fuck, man. Wu just fucking does what he wants and he, does it well. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he really uh, is. And he's, Such he, a visual style. There's so much slow-mo destruction and passion in just, like, every frame every of this shot. movie. Yeah. Uh, and, again, the fact that half of it doesn't make sense. Like, Tom Cruise is, like, doing front flip kicks to take down single guards. And then, like... Yeah, the bit where they explode the entire bridge so that Tom Cruise can like fly through it with his leather jacket on fire. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even the plot starts to get crazy and and really just over the top for no reason. Like, well, they have the Scooby Doo reveal and shit like that. Oh, you the, know? the the bit though where he puts the Tom Cruise mask on top of the dude's henchman yeah and then he puts the henchman mask on, on him so that he can walk into the room and be like i caught tom cruise and then he basically watches the villain slow-mo murder on screen tom cruise is what we're seeing yeah and you're we're just like wow i'm just watching tom cruise be just flat out murdered on screen yeah uh and then they rip the mask off and it was his henchman and he's like no yeah. and meanwhile tom cruise is already like booking it around the corner i will say <laughs> that i think that that that, that scene works really really well within the woo universe and yeah. all that but i did feel that it was a bit like i i i knew what it was doing like mm. i could see the beats as uh. soon as he gets shot i was like well they're not killing tom cruise and as soon as it was like like if it was one shot i would have been like or two i would have been like okay maybe tom cruise you know there's Got gonna be hit. a little bit of thing there's something but he shoots him like 12 fucking times so i was like okay oh, cruise did not just die yeah so, but see i love i just love it's the, great though i, I mean, just loved the actual image like sure, john Woo, absolutely the perversity of the idea to take an american movie star yeah. of that caliber and to just, just be like i just want to watch him get brutally murdered yeah. because that is tom cruise being shot it's still, until yeah. until the mask gets pulled off for sure for sure and but I yeah get that. yeah but yeah you do obviously know that tom cruise isn't gonna die yeah but and it just i guess for me it kind of seemed like the the movie was still trying to do that like oh we twisted you and i'm like you didn't <laughs> you didn't at all but it was fun and i enjoyed that part of it yeah <laughs> Yeah, man, and then there's 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 like the bit too where you were talking about where he bursts through the door with flames and the dove comes through, That's and, funny. and then it's a, it's a close shot. up of the villain's eyes with the flames in his eyes. Yes, yes, <laughs> that shit is so. It's just woo, man. Like, and again, every time someone spins around like Tarantino style, there's like a whoosh effect. We're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's uh, so much style to this film. Every single thing that's once like what we said, the guard takedowns, little little things of just like 
I, I just have so many notes on all the little like visual and stylistic choices that get made because that's really the pleasure of this movie is yeah. the stylistic choices. Oh, that, yeah. Again, I didn't even remember, but I wrote down that apparently while he's murdering Tom, it's to like opera music. And I was like, yeah. that's the most obvious shit. Like Through, you can- <laughs> Throughout this film, Hans Zimmer chose to just do like deep choirs. Like that's it. Like there's there's almost no strings or, or anything like that. And if there are strings, it's still accompanied with like... <laughs> like it's like all that shit like over and over again it's great yep. and then tom cruise is like doing barrel rolls while shooting and then he shoots but still a dude. has the epic slow yeah. music it's, yeah and he and, he, and the, there's a dude flying in the air on a motorcycle and he just shoots him off the motorcycle so and the dude like things. flies backwards off yeah <laughs> so many different things i feel throughout this movie oh man uh and and then the the big sort of climax that that takes place is uh they the villain also on a motorcycle just for no reason they start jousting going back and forth at each other on these motorcycles in slow motion again the way the camera is like ducking and weaving between cars while they're going is super intense and then they drive directly at each other on the motorcycles jump up in the air and face plant into each other (laughs) uh in the air and then they and then the the weirdest choice that i think is works but is just weird to think about is that the last fight is just like just some pretty simple brutal hand-to-hand combat in like the sand and it's just very elemental it's just like a shot of tom cruise like roundhouse kicking him in the face and then cut to a wave crashing yeah and then back cut to this and it's like something like mythical and epic is going down right now i think is the perfect (laughs) word for it Um, it definitely feels like that it's not a traditional fight at all no it's all sand and water and skin and leather and blood and they're all the elements come together (laughs) yeah they're just like cutting each other and kicking each other and like trying to like drown each other in the sand and i'm like (laughs) and yeah, that's basically how the movie ends. That's basically just yep. it. He, he the, wins the, the day. He, he the, saves the, the, the day. The, the whole time yeah. the villain's been trying to make him drop down to his level, I guess, and, like, kill people has been the main thing. And then Tom Cruise kicks the gun out of the sand into the air, <laughs> spins sideways, and guns the dude down pretty brutally. Yeah. <laughs> It's fantastic. And I just love, like, how there's this long pause of everybody just like, uh, am I fucked? Am I yep. totally fucked? And yep. then Cruz is like, mm-mm. Yep. Does his Cruz thing. It's so yeah, as, as far as, it's pl- as far as like actual plotting and, and theme and character go, this isn't much, <laughs> much different than like any Tom Cruise action plot. Uh, in, in fact, there's a little less attention paid to say like De Palma's whole idea of like meta artifice and stuff like that. You yeah. can't find that in this because no, because instead this is just a absolute like ballet of of action, yeah. which apparently is what Tom Cruise wanted to make. So it's totally fine with me. I what does Tom I Cruise think it. about this movie? Do you know? I don't know what he thinks in retrospect, okay. but from what I understand, this is what he wanted. This is what yeah when. Mitch, when he was not completely satisfied with Brian De Palma, what he decided he wanted was John Woo. Um, sure. And, and and since then, people... It seems like he went from one end to, to the, the complete other. fucking opposite. And then he finally found that middle ground in, like, four. Yeah. Which is so funny to think about. Uh, but, I mean, I think we got to wrap it up. I think yeah, we'll, for I think sure. we'll head into the reductive rating round on this one. But for, for me, for me uh, people might think I'm overrating, but I'm going to give this one a four. Nice. I... I for me, it goes 
Mission Impossible 4, Mission Impossible, and then this one. Cool. <laughs> this is just kind of how it goes. I absolutely love this one as a uh, absolute John Woo fanboy. Uh, I do think that it's a little unfortunate that American editors just have less of a clear idea. It's the same thing that Jackie Chan complains about, too, that he says that I have a very distinct visual style to the way that I cut my action. So you and need I'm, to abide by and, that. And you need yeah. to, and I, I have a rhythm to the way that I stage things. And John Woo has all this, too, because if you watch, again, like Hard Boiled or The Killer, it's impeccable rhythm in staging and stuff. Yeah. And it, it does get a little bit lost. This one's me. a little loosey goosey compared to the other things. Yeah, I've seen it's just do. it's a just a little too cut. It just it doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't you know. And there are magical moments where you see like a a spin of the camera at a perfect moment, so perfectly in time with Tom Cruise's performance. Like these two directors could not have be better matched. Or I mean, these two filmmakers, Tom Cruise and John Woo. Oh, I would yeah. love to see just oh, a raw John Woo film that Tom Cruise starred in. Yes, that's um, what I think. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I probably five that shit. because because John. <laughs> Because, like, Tom Cruise is the perfect physical performer for yes. the kind of, you know, movie well, that's why he Nick Cage made. works so well with Wu. You yeah, know, like exactly. people like that, they just it, they understand kind of the, 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 if you want to call it cheese, whatever you want to they call want, it, they, they it's there and they understand. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Unironically. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, enough can't be said for John Wu's just in general, his elaborate construction and staging of, of, of scenes, not even just action scenes, sometimes of, you know, like a, like a, a melodramatic beat, the mm-hmm. way that, you know, he, he has them placed in the set and the way that he slow-mo spins at a certain moment while the music swells up. Yeah. Uh, is, it's perfect. It's, it's, a, it's controlled chaos of, of flying emotions and objects and exploding things and debris flying and spinning cameras and spinning actors. Like, Tom Cruise spins more in this than I've ever seen him spin <laughs> oh, yeah. in any other movie. Like spins he, more than he runs. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's <laughs> wild. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I just, I can't... I can't, I, I can't not love that shit. Uh, I, I nice. would I would take this any day over the week, any day of the week over, you know, what they ended up doing in the third one, which honestly, I'm going to be honest, I still like that movie. Yeah. I don't dislike any of these movies, but the, the sort of like TV style of like uh, these kind of like hyper cut close up shots were of shaky cam that you can't see anything. Uh, doesn't do justice to some of the clever set pieces that are in that movie. Like that bridge set piece in the third movie is really, really well done. Oh yeah, and I wish John Woo shot it. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Which I mean is maybe not the f- the most fair complaint because I could wish John Woo shot a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't we all? <laughs> but when I see people think that like three is one of the best ones and this is absolutely the worst one, I'm like, y'all, well, y'all are fucking crazy. That I agree with. <laughs> that I agree with. I don't. This movie is not bad by any means and, and y'all are fucking crazy for thinking that but I, I guess we'll get into your yeah, your, your part because right you're rating but th- this this conversation and I even kind of had this thought going mm-hmm. into it right now I'm going to give it a very high three mm-hmm. uh, but I could see this becoming a four after I revisit the rest of them mm-hmm. I just want to really get into my head what these films kind of became especially the third one I want to see where that went from mm-hmm. this one kind of because I'm sure they they noticed a bit of a backlash, and so maybe they went to the third one as that safety net. I don't know. They did. I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't want to... For me, as my memory says, I like it more than the second one, Mm. but I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't want to put that exactly on the record. Um, Because of the third third one, they hired those Transformers writers, those dudes who are really mm. about making a relentless beginning to ending 
ending Action. plot. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. like you can't. There's not a wasted moment that doesn't have plot going on. For sure. Um, okay. And then they had J.J. Abrams direct it, who was just less of. He was at the time coming off things like Lost. Like he was right. more of just a a very simple house style TV filmmaker with a bit of flair, with a little bit of like a like an intensity. Yeah, he, he's very good at ramping up. And again, he pays attention to character. Yeah, where he's you know he knows he knows TV writing and stuff like that. Yeah. So there there's there's a lot of sheer intensity happening that Mission Impossible three that I think carries it through. And there are a couple of clever set pieces in it for um, sure. And and like plot dynamics, like the bit where they're printing Philip Seymour Hoffman's face while holding him in the in the stall so that Tom Cruise can like become Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. while his guards are coming back. And the, the plane bit with the drones is abs- or on the, the bridge bit with the drones and stuff is absolutely nuts. But you know, by the time that gets to its third act, again, I find most mission impossible movies. The third act is kind of what makes or breaks it for me. Yeah. And John, I got to say John Woo's third act is one of the strongest of any of them because, because yeah, he just, yeah. he, he ramps it up. So I think, I just think what it is, it's kind of like what I said at the beginning. I'm just very in a weird space with this movie because I love the first one mm-hmm. as, as a mission impossible film for what it's doing with its suspense, what it's doing with, uh, its characters, what we talked about with mm-hmm. how it's kind of also playing on the whole, uh, how what we sh- what we show you visually and what's actually going on behind the oh, scenes. Yeah. It's a lot more intellectually right. engaging. Whereas this like, one, yeah. it just went into crazy action schlock. Which hey, I love that shit. It's just I got a little bit conflicted with the tones going from this to that, um, and yeah. that that's why I, I'm gonna feel more comfortable giving it the four. Perhaps when I see Revisit what the, the rest of them yeah. did, and then I'll be like, you know what, the second one actually is a lot more interesting than some of the other sequels mm. so we'll see uh but right now it's going to be a, a really strong three cool yeah all right well i think that wraps it up for this week that was us talking mission impossible and mission impossible 2 yeah yeah that's going to be it for your guys's bonus episode this week thanks so much for as always being patrons and such uh one week from now you guys have a uh free episode coming up with with everyone where we are going to be talking with a special guest. Oh, just the one with the movies we have no clue about, basically? Yeah, I have no idea what these movies Captain are. Captain something? And- <laughs> Maybe a couple of you who are more uh, into the scene, you guys will have a better idea of what these movies are, but we're going to be talking a movie called Satan's Claw and another one called... Yeah, Satan's Claw. <laughs> Satan's Claw. Uh, and we're going to be pairing it with uh, Captain Kronos. Oh, it's actually blood on Satan's claw. Even oh, more metal. That is, yeah. And then Captain Kronos. And we're going to have a special guest <laughs> talking about that. And then two weeks from now, patrons, what you guys can expect from us uh, is we're going to be talking Miss 45, Abel Ferreira's Finally. Rape Revenge film. Nice. I've which wanted to watch we're this gonna for talk, And we're going to be pairing it with another New York City gutter trash movie called Street Trash, which I have never seen. <laughs> yeah, but one of our patrons, Steve Carlson, actually pitched it to us as a possible pair with Miss 45. So cool. I figured... Why Let's the hell not? It. So, Steve Carlson, Shout if you're out, out there, uh, you've been a patron since basically like the 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 beginnings of the these bonus episodes. So we figured we'd throw you a bone. Yeah, we. Appreciate so that's what's it. coming out in uh, two weeks' time. But that's gonna be it. Uh, we're signing off. I'm I'm Josh. That's Jamie. That's me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. <laughs>